This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Gasahall. Gasahall, it's what corn craves. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, it's a double feature. The late night. With 1984's and 2009's Children of the Corn. But before we get into the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Well, I do horror trivia, and you do... The Horror Film Quiz Book. You ready for a real easy one? Yes. What is the name of the character in Poltergeist who says they're here? Well, Carol Ann. I knew that the second name was Anne, and I was like, okay, how do I work backwards to get the Carol part? Yes, Carol Ann. Carol Ann says we're, they're here. They're here. All right, Kelsey, I got some Children of the Corn-specific trivia for you. Okay. This one might be a little bit difficult, because just as a little bit of a primer, guys, we watched the original Children of the Corn. We watched the 2009 remake. We watched the 1983 short film, Disciples of the Crow, and we read the short story, the original one by Stephen King. Boom. This is only in the 1984 film. What does Vicky give Bert for his birthday when they're at the motel? No looking at your notes, because it might be in there. We never see them at the motel. We don't in the remake. We don't in the short film. And we don't in the short story. But it is in the 1984 film. It's how the whole thing starts. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, that's the very beginning. Oh, fuck. What did she give him? Um, I didn't write it down because it was so unimportant. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was really dumb, too. Oh, it was a lighter. It's a lighter. It's yeah, nice. A lighter, and it make, it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. <laughs> the fact that it's his birthday, nothing. It's especially funny because they're basically going to great lengths in the first scene to show you how happily married they are. Happily engaged together because they are not engaged. That is her problem. Oh right, yes. He has a fear of commitment. Right, yeah. yes. She calls that out, and she that's has... their that's their reason to be in uh-huh. a semi argument. Yeah, but they barely are. She just gives them a little shit, and when she's making fun of the sermon on the radio, the movie just... fear of commitment, and like that's it. That's the only conflict they have. Yeah the the movie. <laughs> It's like the movie was, un- the movie knew that they were supposed to be in an argument. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they, they included something. something real dumb and stupid. We'll get to why that is semi-significant when we talk about the film. But first, we're going to start off with that version from 1984. Based on the short story, as I said, by Stephen King with a screenplay, not by Stephen King, importantly, but by George Goldsmith, 
Directed by Fritz Kirsch and starring Peter Horton, Linda Hamilton. Boom. John Franklin and Courtney Gaines. Courtney Gaines, listeners, you'll know him as Hans Klopek from The Burbs. We saw that on the show. We talked about that. Uh, John Franklin, though, he was 24 years old when he played Isaac in this movie. As a child, he was diagnosed with something called growth hormone deficiency, and that's why... He looked like a kid, even though he was actually in his 20s. Right, yes. He didn't really start acting until he was already in his 20s, like right before this. And specifically because he looked like a kid and they could treat him like an adult. Because working with kids is not only more difficult, but also the legal things you got to wrangle with are difficult. Uh, He was also Cousin It in the Adams Family movies, but you would never know that. Yeah, you'd have no idea. But this is clarification from our Child's Play episode. Tom Holland isn't the large Chucky. He's the announcer voice on that show. When they introduce the large Chucky, the voice of the large Chucky is actually John Franklin, (laughs) which is kind of interesting. Yes. Good guys say three different sentences. We even turn our heads and blink our eyes when you talk to us. Right, Oscar? As I said before, the story was first adapted into a short film one year prior to this called Disciples of the Crow which we'll talk about a little bit more later, I think, when we talk about the remake. Yeah, there's no reason to talk about it with the original. Right. Uh, Interestingly, though, in the short story, the only mention of any crows is explicitly to talk about how there aren't any. So why they would call this Disciples of the Crow. Well, what's interesting, and I didn't, I, I meant to look this up, but I didn't. I'd like to know when The Stand came out, because I have heard... That fans of the of the King verse believe that he who walks behind the rose is actually Randall Flagg. Yeah, Randall Flagg is like a big bad that goes throughout all of this. The- there are theories that some people say he's it, which I don't think is the case. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But there are a few other cases where if there's just sort of a nebulous villain character then it might be Randall Flagg. But the reason I say that I'd like to know when The Stand came out is because... The book or the movie? The book, because in the film, they specifically say Gatlin is only three miles away. Hemingford is 19 miles away, and if you've read The Stand... I'm glad you pulled that out. That is something that I took a note of as well, yeah. Hemingford is where... Everyone's headed. In the stand. Everyone is headed to Hemingford, and it's supposed to be kind of this... It's it's central to America, where everyone can head, but it's it's God's country. It's God's country. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Randall Flagg is the bad guy from the stand. And he's in Vegas. And she, yes, but she specifically says, crows in the corn. Yeah. So that's why I'm wondering, when did... The Stand came out first in 78. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So they were just making references to... Other Stephen King works, Other Stephen King stuff, because, yeah, specifically in the short story, they say there are no crows, which is weird. And then in The Stand, they specifically say crows in the corn is a bad thing because it means the devil is there, which is interesting because here it's supposed to be... The lack of crows means that the devil is there. Yeah. So 
it kind of turned me off from the theory um, that Randall Flagg is, in fact, he who walks behind the rose. But there is, there is nothing in Children of the Corn, the short story, that says that he who walks behind the rose is evil. I mean, other than the fact that he does kill people. I, I, what I'm saying is that, like, everyone interprets him as God, and there is nobody in the entire book that says, what if he's not really God? As a matter of fact... Uh, Bert refers to him as their god. Yes. So the idea is that there is no one deity, that yeah. there are multiple deities, and they've just chosen to follow an mm-hmm. evil one. <laughs> and I do think it is evil because it's a oh, god sure. of sacrifice. Sure. Yeah, totally. Interestingly, again, we still haven't even gotten into the plot of Children of the Corn, but I did want to take a moment to talk about uh, the first trailer just came out for the Netflix film. Uh, which is coming out on October 4th, In the Tall Grass, which is based on a story by King and his son, Joe Hill. And immediately when Chris put on the trailer. Oh, yeah. This is why I wanted to share it with you. (laughs) Immediately. I was just like, is this children of the corn? It's just just man high grass instead of man high corn. And they get lost in there just Uh, like they do in the short story. So it's Uh like. But then again, if you're a King fan, you just kind of accept that there's a lot of very similar oh, ideas. Yeah. Uh-huh, <laughs> totally. That said, Kelsey, what is Children of the Corn about? A couple that is on well, in I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick to the film. A couple that is on a trip to wherever he has his new internship with, and he is obviously a doctor. They are on this trip, this road trip, and they decide to get off the highway. And unfortunately, that leads them to the town of Gatlin, where bad things have happened. Yes. You can say it's a child-run cult. It's a child-run cult. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which is never good. Should people watch this movie? Yes. Totally. I love this movie. Yes, and all of its faults, because it isn't a great movie. I just love it. It might be a little cheesy. The effects might be bad, but I don't care. Yeah, so much the fun. Ca- and it's the character of Isaac is amazing. Yeah, uh, Kelsey was saying she she had to stop because she wanted to write down every single thing that came out of his mouth. And I just I, I just stopped. I was just like, I'm not going to. Uh huh. You should see the movie, and you should see it for yourself. Again, interestingly, because the short story he has he like, speaks once. Well, I mean, he well, says more than one thing, but, right. like, it's only one page of him yeah, talking. Uh-huh. And based on all three movies, you would have never guessed that. Right. All three movies make a huge deal out About of Isaac. Isaac, yes. And that's because he's such a great character. Uh-huh. And you get some insight into... Uh, the seer role within this cult uh, by watching all of these and reading the short story. This is the only one where he is there from day one and he caused everything. He's the original preacher. Uh, It's only three years after the original incident that this story happens. As opposed to like all the other versions like that where it's 12 years. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. So, yes, you should absolutely see this movie, if not only for the fact that it's interesting. There are moments that make me jump still. Sure. And the kids are creepy. Well, I told the story in the last episode about how it scared me to death seeing (laughs) it on television, that very first scene where the kids 
kill all the adults. It was frightening how brutal it was. That was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that that wasn't in an over-the-top R-rated action film. That this was a horror film and it was framed in that way and it fucked with me. I was like, I can't, like, I didn't watch Children of the Corn, not because I was absolutely terrified of it, but I just stayed away from it uh, for, I guess a decade and a half or something like that. Like it was a long time before I ever actually saw this movie. But since then I've seen it tons of times now. So you can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 1984's children of the corn. They are the children of the corn. They must obey. He who walks among the rose. They live in a world where adults are not allowed to live. Children of the Corn. A new kind of nightmare. An adult nightmare. Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Rated R. Coming Friday. Check local newspapers for theaters and showtimes. Kelsey? Yeah. We already talked a little bit about the first scene. You want to uh, describe that to us and get us started here? Well, we open on corn waving in the wind. Uh huh. And then we get a voiceover. Of a character that you won't find in any of the v- versions. He's yes. only in this one. Job. And he is an awful narrator. <laughs> I do not he think he's awful. He's an awful narrator. I it's disagree. interesting because when we talk about adapting The Shining, we talked about how Stephen King, as he got older and better at, at adapting for television, that one of the things he has trouble with is... He, there's a lot of prose in his stories, and dialogue isn't his strong suit, I must say. Uh, but his prose is fantastic. It really wraps you up in the story. And it's fascinating, and it just keeps you reading. But he has a problem with converting people's thoughts that are written in prose into dialogue. Like, how do you communicate that in a movie without resorting to narration? Because he understands that he tries his damnedest to stay away from narration when he does adaptations. So the the fact that he didn't do this script, but it still starts out with narration and it's terrible narration by this tiny little kid who the whole movie basically rests on, at least the beginning of it, and... It's so cheesy and dumb. I think it's fine. Oh, I hate it. It was about three years ago. I was the only kid in church that day. The others were with Isaac out in the cornfield. I didn't get to go because Dad didn't like Isaac. He was pretty smart, my dad. Anyway, he explains that three years ago there was a drought. And that on one particular Sunday, Isaac... Kind of a new kid in town from what we've been told. I'm I'm new new in in town. town. (laughs) Has taken all of the kids into the cornfield. Now, right off the bat, I have a problem with this. This is a very religious community. Why wouldn't the children be going to church with them? Why wouldn't they force their kids to go? Also, the kid points out, my, my dad didn't like Isaac. Why would all the other parents not have a problem with him? Right. Like, eh. But okay, after church, they all go to the local cafe. The kid explains all the other kids there were acting real creepy. That's when I saw Malachi and the others. 
I guess their meeting with Isaac was over. They were acting real creepy. Meanwhile, his sister and his mom are at home because his sister is sick. Yeah. She has a bad fever. And while she has this fever, she's drawing. She's drawing weird shit, too. She has the gift of sight. Uh Uh-huh. Which you would think came straight out of the short story, but no. Nope. That's such a king thing. Yeah. uh But no. Malachi and Isaac are both there, and they are very obviously setting the stage. They are very clearly, from the onset, the ones in charge. Well, Malachi is playing pinball originally. Isaac comes up outside, and he just stares creepily in through the window, giving Malachi the cue to start. Yes. And Malachi's girlfriend, which isn't expressed in this movie, but who, who we know is his girlfriend, is serving everyone coffee. And the coffee is poisoned. Yes, and people start choking. And when they start choking, Malachi pulls a knife out from beside the pinball table. And all the other children pull out other weapons. And they just start killing everyone. And they're all farmer-based uh, yes, weapons. Yeah. Like, like sides sickle and stuff, and stuff like, like, like that. Sickle, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, and they brutally kill these oh, people. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And they beat the shit out of Job's dad. Job isn't his real name, by the way. There, there's a, a thing that happens in this where... They're all given biblical names, but it's not their actual birth name. But we'll refer to him by the name he's referred to through the whole movie, which is Job. They also force a man's hand into a deli slicer. You don't see it, but but it gets really close. Yeah. They had to put somebody's hand that close to a spinning deli slicer. Sure, it wasn't real. (laughs) It looked really good is what I'm saying. Yeah. So then we see kind of a bunch of flashes. We get some pictures that are drawn from by the little girl, obviously. We see someone has been put on a cross. We see that they have burned all the televisions. We see that the kids are now growing the crops. Yep. We see that the kids are self-mutilating in some way. And now cut to present day, three years later. And she has drawn a picture of people coming. Yep. This is when we get the scene in the motel. Yeah. <laughs> of happy birthday with a noise maker to the ear to wake you up, yeah. which, oh my God, I'd be mad. Uh-huh. And she presents him with his lighter, which has been engraved, and she sings this stupid song. I can't even remember what song it it's is. supposed to be about Oh, about no out. more books and, yeah. Uh-huh. But, like, there's no implication that he was in school. I mean, he's got an internship that he's been working for for three years. Yeah. It's weird. We assume they're on a trip to his residency after medical school, I guess. I guess. They it's don't unimportant. explain it. It's unimportant. It's very unimportant. We just need to know that he is medically inclined. And we also learn here that she desperately wants to get married. Yeah. And that he is not ready But again, that will go nowhere. Uh Uh-huh. But again, they just really wanted them to be in an argument because that's most of the short story is that they're in an argument. Mm -hmm. So. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. It's a big bulk of it. Anyway, they get in the car. They're driving and they drive through Nebraska. And then we get more narration talking about this kid named Joseph who wanted to escape because he said he couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. 
and he is getting help from Job and his sister Sarah. Job explains that they want to go with him because they're upset that Isaac won't let them do anything, anything Mm -hmm. fun. Which includes drawing, it includes playing games, yeah. And he expresses that he has to escape through the corn, to which Sarah says, but what about... And he cuts her off and says, I said I'd be okay. What's that about? Uh-huh. What's in the corn? And so when he goes off, he, he needs them to be a lookout to make sure nobody's looking. And, and <gasps> Nobody's and, looking! Yes. Nobody's looking! <laughs> she just shouts it at the top of her lungs. Make sure nobody's looking. It didn't matter. They knew it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. But like, it's just, it's, it's a definitely facepalm moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. But also before he leaves, he says, don't tell anybody or you'll burn in hellfire. Yeah. So you, you get the fear the, of God is everywhere. Yes. Yeah. They have a lot of fear in them. And as he's running through the corn, he can hear the kids coming after him and slashed throat. Cut back to... Linda Hamilton and yes. her suitor. Vicky and Bert. Vicky and Bert. I should know those names by now. Right, yeah. <laughs> so Vicky explains that the next oh no. In this version, they see a sign for Gatlin, but Gatlin Isn't is on not map. on the map. Yeah. And they're talking about whether they should stop there. And they hit a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just Bam, and they do this in the other version, too. Uh-huh. And, I mean, they don't do it nearly as hardcore in the short, but in both of the movie versions, it's just like, yep. Jesus, yep. that was a child that was just hit by a car. Uh-huh. You kind of get the feeling that Stephen King was real worried about his kids getting hit by cars. Right. <laughs> so they start to get really worried and when they look at the kid, well, they see that, oh, it doesn't really matter. His throat was cut anyway. Yes. <laughs> so thank God we're not at fault. I may have hit him, but I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Bert grabs a tire iron. Yes. Not a gun. Yeah, there's no gun in this one, but there is in the other versions. Because it's kind of this thing that sorts of that sort of dawns on you that you're not really thinking about, that, oh my God, his throat was slashed. But if his throat was slashed... And he still made it to the street to get hit by the car. Whoever slashed his throat is like right there, which is why he grabs the tire iron and starts looking through the corn. He doesn't find anybody. But he finds the suitcase. Yes, that this kid had. Now, I'd like to point out mm -hmm. he was smart enough to realize that there had to be someone there. Not smart enough to realize that the only place he could have possibly come from is fucking Gatlin. Yeah, uh-huh. So maybe Gatlin isn't the place well, they, to go. No, they try to avoid Gatlin. Remember? This is the only one where they, from the beginning, try not to go to Gatlin. And I think specifically for that reason. I think it's the other ones that fuck this up, including the short story. <laughs> but in any case, while he's looking... And he finds the suitcase. We get our first vision of Malachi. Malachi. So Malachi shows up as Vicky is in the car and she's exhausted, uh, terrified. She's she's lying back in the car and she has her eyes closed. And we see Malachi come up. But she opens her eyes. She gets restless. She gets out of the car. 
At which point you're screaming, what are you doing? Yes, because we've seen Malachi now, especially, and she goes to the kid, and then the kid pops up and, like, reaches out for her, and she wakes up from, like, a nightmare, and Bert's there. So, that was a dream. But if it was a dream, why did we see Malachi? She doesn't know who Malachi is. I understand your confusion. I think it's supposed to be that Malachi really was there. The rest of it was a dream. Right. But then, in that case, why didn't Malachi kill her? That's a good point. Because she, he mean, didn't run away because she woke up. But remember, all three versions do this. Yeah. The well, book, the short the book. story yeah. doesn't, uh-huh. but the, the two other movies do the exact same thing. Right, yeah. I think they're just trying to create an atmosphere. Right. And there's some confusion as to where the kids are, how many kids are there. In this version, we only explicitly see Malachi until the very end of the scene, but their eyes coming from either side of the street. Which bothered Chris, and I get it. Well, not really, because your explanation makes sense. There are more kids looking for this guy. Yes. Yeah. So they have put the child into the trunk of their car. In a blanket. And they have also taken the uh, suitcase. And you might be thinking, that's a crime scene, fool. Well, there's nobody around. Consider the fact uh that no one is around. And if there really is a murderer, which obviously there is, they're probably going to clean up after themselves. Right, yeah. So, So they try to take it to the nearest town and they try to avoid Gatlin since it's not even on the map. And that might be where the killer came from. And so they head to, what is it, Hemsford? Well, they're heading towards Hemingford. But before we go back to them, we now see the kids. Yes. Okay. We see Job and Sarah, and they're all dressed up in silly clothing Uh because they're kids. And they're listening to records, and they're playing Monopoly, and they're talking about how they're going to have all the money in the world when they're when they're adults because right now they ain't got jack shit. So that's all they want. And he explains, again through narration, (laughs) Mm. that... They weren't there. They he said this earlier because they weren't there when Isaac took the other kids into the cornfield. They did not witness the God, he who walks behind the rose. Yeah. So because they never saw it, Isaac pretty much lets them do what they want. Yeah. Because he's like, Well, they weren't there. How can we expect them to believe if they didn't see it? And that, again, not in any of the versions, but it's a very interesting idea. Mm-hmm. That from this kid's perspective, you only believe in what you can see. Yeah. I've seen nothing of this God I've been hearing about my whole life. Mm-hmm. But here's this deity that I've seen in the corn, and he is fucking real. Right. Which for me is is a huge deal. Like, I love that. Because yeah. it, it shows this part of this character that, like, I only believe in this guy because I know he's real. Yeah. And that is a thing. No version makes you wonder if he's real. No. He is, he is a real. real being. The man who walks behind the, the rose is real. In this version, also only this version, we hear in the narration that Malachi showed up before the incident where they killed all the adults, showed up as a traveling child preacher to this place. In, the, in every other version, there is a seer who sees the man who walks behind the rose, who is talked to by the man who walks behind the rose and given this prophecy. Ultimately, that first one dies. 
and and is replaced by another one, which is why the twelve year gap is is significant. In this one, it's Isaac from day one, which is also why they need to shorten that time span to three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'd also like to point out another reason that Isaac is okay with them doing what they want is because in his eyes, Sarah is the next seer, right? She's valuable. She's extremely valuable, and she's been given the gift of sight. And from his perspective- That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Mm -hmm. You do not question he who walks behind the rose. He gave Sarah sight. We respect that. Yeah. You have the gift of sight. This is a blessing, my child. Which is also another factor that I love in all the versions. This is the only one that questions him. But in all the other versions, it's like, no. Yeah. You do what he says. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that they have this blind faith of Uh whatever he thinks. Yep. Anyway, this is when we get to see the first hint of dissent from Malachi. Because Malachi is dissatisfied with the fact that Isaac doesn't punish these kids. Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says, question me not, Malachi, for I only do his bidding. (laughs) But they had a game in music. They're forbidden. Question me not, Malachi. I act according to his will. I also kind of enjoy, this is the only version that really kind of shows that Isaac is a little power happy. Tiny bit. Yeah. Not a whole lot. But he kind of enjoys his his power. And yeah, he, he will not suffer dissent. Yes. Yeah. But Malachi, and they kind of give you a hint to this in the film. Because at one point, Job says, I think Isaac is like this because no one ever wanted to play with him. Yeah. So there's this, this idea this of little kids view. He never had friends. Mm-hmm. And this is the only way he could gain friends was by gaining followers. Yeah. And then with Malachi, you kind of get this hint that maybe he had a rough childhood, like maybe yeah. he was abused as a kid because he loves sacrifice. Yeah. And he also rules through force. He's the enforcer in this cult. He works for Isaac and he rules by force. So If he were to try to take over this cult, it would be more akin to a military coup than it would be just a mutiny. You know what I mean? Yes. Which also makes you wonder if perhaps Malachi does not have the full belief that everyone else has. Right. He only has it a little bit. It's more that he enjoys his position. So when Isaac makes him feel like he's not powerful... He doesn't really give a shit that he who walks behind the rose won't be happy with him. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Okay. On the drive to the gas station, back to the adults, Linda Hamilton has opened up the suitcase. Yeah. She finds just a bunch of kid stuff, and then she finds a cross made out of corn. Is that in this one? It is. Okay. It's not as detailed as the ones in the other versions are. Yeah. In the other versions, it's supposed to look like there is a corn person on the corn cross. Right, yeah. But not really here. It's just a corn cross. And she immediately says, I think it's repulsive. I want it out of the car. And they don't get into the fact that she has this weird religious upbringing past, uh-huh. which is why it upsets her so much. And it's these these sort of uh, what we might call church camp 
now. Or, <laughs> Jesus um, camp. Yeah. Or watch that documentary, guys. Yeah, it's totally. Because it highly relates to this. <laughs> or even maybe to a lesser extent, Sunday school. But the idea of like indoctrination, indoctrinating the, the children. And this is like an extreme view of when the only thing you fill a child's head with is vengeance and sacrifice for the Lord. This is what becomes of things, you know. Right. He will say later in the film, I can't believe you're this blind. What kind of a god would have you do these things? Yeah. Oh, they lay heavily into that in this one mm-hmm. of like no compassionate god would have you do any of this stuff. Your god is a false god. Like all of that stuff is only in this version. Mm-hmm. In the other versions, it's more like how could any of this happen? Perhaps their god allows it. Like, that's what it's like in the other versions. In this version, it's explicitly like, if you're going to be religious, that's totally fine, but none of this Old Testament bullshit. (laughs) So, they get to a gas station, and (laughs) the guy who runs it has a dog that he has trained to bring him his correct tools. Yeah. And when he sees the car coming, he says to the dog, we know what to do, don't we? Now, my problem with that is, is that it makes it seem like he's going to help the kids. He is. He has a deal with the children. You'd think so. No, he talks about how he upheld his end of the bargain. Right, but he tells them explicitly, go to Hemingford. Yeah, do not go. Cause Gatlin. His, no, his job is to keep people out of Gatlin. Oh. Drive people away. He is the harbinger. The Harbinger is the one that gets you to go. No, the Harbinger is the one who warns you not to, and you need to ignore him in order to deserve to be punished. It's like the Harbinger. It's this creepy old fuck. Practically wears a sign, you will die. Why do we put him there? The system. They have to choose to ignore him. They don't transgress. They can't be punished. But that doesn't work in this version because what ends up happening is they try to go to Hemingford and then there's all these signs. That's that- a problem with this one. Yeah, I make is. a point of that. So uh, he tells them not to go. He doesn't have any gas. He doesn't have a phone for them to use, which is what they really want to use when they're there. So they move, go right on to Hemingford and they're like, yes, okay. And they try to go. I do love the conversation that they have. Yeah. Well, can't we just go to Gatlin? Gatlin? There ain't nothing in Gatlin. What do you mean there ain't nothing in Gatlin? Well, Gatlin's got religion. <laughs> what you want to do is to go to Hemingford. About 19 miles down that right fork there. What about Gatlin? Gatlin? <laughs> there ain't nothing in Gatlin. What do you mean there ain't nothing in Gatlin? Well, folks in Gatlin's got religion. They don't cotton the outsiders, and they probably won't have a phone there either. As they try to get to Hemingford and drive away from Gatlin, they keep seeing signs that show they're getting closer to Gatlin. And even when they turn the opposite direction, they still see those signs, and and they don't know what's happening. It's like they're being supernaturally guided to Gatlin, which is almost like, okay, well, they need to be the sacrifice that he who walks behind the rose is looking for they're warned about it with visions but they have this fear of outlanders right so like do they want people to come or don't they want people to come it's very unclear with little things like this mm-hmm. with the signs mm-hmm. it's i think it really it's just they didn't think this much about it i think it's just isn't it spooky that it seems like they can only head towards gatlin they didn't think past that. 
So the gas station attendant, while he's talking to Bert before they leave, his dog is freaking out. And he keeps telling his dog, leave it alone, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Because he's clearly aware that the kids are watching. And that the dog is barking at the kids. And he does not want the dog to go near the kids. But the dog does. And turns out they've killed the dog for nothing but fun. Yeah. For nothing but fun. They then end up killing the gas station attendant. Again, for no reason other than it's fun. Yeah. Because Isaac obviously felt like the gas station attendant. I mean, I guess we can call him a mechanic because that's really what we see him doing and there is no gas at the gas station. He obviously feels like he serves a purpose and they have a deal with him. And he sends Malachi to make sure he upholds his end of the bargain, which is effectively, we'll leave you alone if you keep people away. And you provide us with gasoline. Yeah. Which they need for crop growing. Yeah. And later Malachi will say, but we're making... Gasohol. Gas out of corn. Uh-huh. Which is so interesting. Yeah. We had that technology back then. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we didn't... Not at it. the level that we have it right now. Think about how much further we'd be if we had tried. Well, any alternative fuel sources are frowned upon in this country. (laughs) Anyway, we then get our first scene with Isaac talking, and it's glorious. Behold, a dream did come to me in the night, and the Lord did show all this to me. Praise God! Praise the Lord! A time of tribulation has come. A test is at hand. The final test. There are a few things that we learn in this sermon that he gives. That is that Joseph was trying to run away. That he who walks behind the rose warned him of this. And that he was to be sacrificed. He was to be killed, but not among the corn. Which is why we find out that he's that he stumbles onto the street. He's thrown out onto the street by Malachi because he can't be killed in the corn. But it doesn't matter because he spilled blood in there anyway. Exactly. And their god is displeased. Mm-hmm. Yes. Malachi basically brushes this off by saying he's not the god of ceremony. He's the god of sacrifice. He's the god of blood and sacrifice, not ceremony. And he just he just won't listen to Isaac as Isaac is trying to explain to him, I'm the one he fucking talks to, dick. Yeah. I know what he wants. Right, but Malachi's starting to think, does he talk to you? Yes. He's questioning him. Uh-huh. He's questioning because, like I said, there is a hint of... Isaac enjoying his power. Yeah. Malachi sees that and latches onto it as an excuse for dissent. Yeah. And like, guys, seriously, watch this movie. <laughs> I want to tell you his entire the sermon. sermons are so good. He's amazing. They're cheesy as fuck. They're not, they're not realistic in any way, shape or form, but they're just so fun. So good. It's so good that the remake kept it. Almost word for word. Yeah. Because it's just so good. Even though it's not in the original short story. there's It's interesting what things they decide to keep and what things they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, back to the adults. They come to the town of Gatlin. And almost immediately, Linda Hamilton's like, I want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. They're about to leave because she's nearly convinced him there ain't nothing here. Let's get out of here. 
Yeah. But they come across a house where they see someone. Mm-hmm. And this is the house where Job and Sarah come to play. And they find Sarah by herself in this house. And Vicky, Linda Hamilton, asks her what her name is. And she says her name is Sarah. And she says, Sarah, that's a beautiful name. This same year, Linda Hamilton was in the first Terminator movie where she played a Sarah, Sarah mm. Connor. And they ask her, where are all the grown-ups? And she says, in the corn. Yeah. And they just assume they're working the fields. Yes. But she does say, Isaac put them there. And they're like, who's Isaac? And she goes, our leader. Bert gets frustrated very quickly. And he's just like, we're not getting anywhere here. Yeah. Linda Hamilton's like, will you give her a chance? And she asks him, well, can we go and see Isaac? And she says, no, he's scary. That's when Bert is like, fuck this noise. I'm going to go find those adults that are yeah. out in the corn. You stay here with the little girl. I'll go search the town some more. And Linda Hamilton's like, uh, are you sure you should leave us? And he goes, yeah, it's safe. <laughs> you know somebody's throat was slit, Bert. You. <laughs> A child's throat has been cut. You can't find anyone else in this town. Everything is old. We didn't mention that. Everything they see is they, from 1964, right, they whatever they don't really lean on that, especially since it's only three, three years in this Yes, one. 1981 versus 1984. And, like, everything's covered in dust. And but st- and there was a murder. Yes. And yet he's just like, you're safe. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure I am. So. Where does he go? The school. Gatlin School, as the sign says. And he sees up on the board something about playing in the blood. And I'm like, that doesn't alarm you? Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Get <laughs> out of it. This is some Silent Hill shit. <laughs> I also didn't mention the last thing we see of Linda Hamilton is that she looks at a drawing. She's like, what's this? And we and don't see Sarah what it is yet. just smiles. Uh-huh. So creepy. We don't see what it is yet. Meanwhile... And Malachi and his goons show up. Also, this is the first big shot of Lyndall Hamilton. Did you notice what she was wearing? Yeah. Those are some of the ugliest shorts I've ever seen. (laughs) Why would anyone wear them? It's 1984. (laughs) 70s are turning into the 80s. And ooh, those are some growing pains. (laughs) Anyway, she sees Malachi coming up the stairs and he says... We want to give you peace. Yeah, she asks, what do you want? And he says, we want to give you peace. So she gets taken. Then after that, we see Isaac talking to Malachi. This is when we learn he is displeased. He speaks to me always. You killed people that were not offerings. Uh, You know, you killed that. This is why, this is when he says he's not a god of ceremony. He's a god of sacrifice. Yeah. This is when I wrote, Malachi's an idiot, yo. (laughs) (laughs) You've got this kid telling you, like, you're gonna fucking die. (laughs) Right. But again, as far as he knows, this is just Isaac flexing in order to get people to do what he wants. Meanwhile... Poor Linda Hamilton has been put on a corn cross. Yes, and Bert has no idea any of this is going on. And it's a great shot. So we see her on the cross getting pulled up. Now, if you were brought up in a religious background like I was, this has a lot of meaning for you. I'm not going to get into it, but like 
it hit me hard because uh-huh. I was brought up in such a religious household. We're seeing her go up and she's already, of course, flipping out. Uh-huh. And then her eyes widen and she screams and we don't get to see why. And what 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 we end up seeing later, I mean, yes, I would freak out too. But like right. from the movie perspective, you it's not that scary. You think it's going to be the monster or whatever and but it's, it's not. But it's such a good shot. Yeah. Of she, her just screaming. And her head is wreathed with the corn leaves. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bert has wandered into the local church. Yes. And what does he see there? He sees a ceremony going on. And we see John Philbin. Now, John Philbin, we talked about recently. He plays Amos in this. John Philbin is Chuck in Return of the Living Dead, which we just saw. And you see him and it's like unmistakable. (laughs) That's Chuck, who's part of the gang. He's the nerdy one. He's writing his name in the book. And when he writes his name in the book, you can see they all have parenthetical names. And this is just an assumption you need to make in this movie, but they go into it deeper, especially in the short story. Like I said earlier, they're granted biblical names. So he Which is, is a thing. It, yeah. It's a thing if you're if you're when Catholic, you're baptized, you're baptized, you're, yeah, you're given uh-huh. a, a Catholic name. Yes. In the original story, Isaac and Malachi were William Renfrew and Craig Boardman. So you can see, like, Isaac and Malachi are not their original names either. He also carves like a pentagram or something into his chest. He, they're bleeding him. And they're they're cupping up the blood and they're drinking it. Yes. It's funny because the biggest problem Bert has with this is the medical side of it. Because yes. he's a doctor. He will reckon with you. Well, that's terrific. I don't know who he is, but maybe he'd like to discuss the medical side of what's going on here with me. It's as it should be. Amos. It's as it is written. <laughs> but you can see how... These are perversions of religious rituals, like as the kids see them without being able to fully comprehend them. Exactly. And it really hits home with the idea that if you bring a child up in an extreme religious home, they're going to become so accustomed to these weird rituals and these weird rites Uh and repeating phrases that it feels normal to them. And yes, you could argue, well... That's like all religion. (laughs) Yes. But I was going to say, you could argue, but what about the New Testament and how the New Testament kind of does away with all of this sacrificial stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, they don't tell you in this, but they have essentially ripped out the New Testament. So it's, it's like the kids have no knowledge of compassion, basically. Right. Bert talks about how he he yells at them and he's like, what, do you only care about the stuff that serves you and just leave everything else out? You rewriting the whole thing or just the parts that suit your needs? Yeah, basically. That's all religion. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it really is. Why do you think we have so many different subsects of, <laughs> of religions that that interpret rules differently? It's just whatever suits that culture, they turn it into a new version of that religion. It's all over the world in every religion. This isn't specifically calling out anyone. What you have to realize is that all of the enforcers are not here. It's right. just the kids. Because they're dealing with... Linda. Linda. Linda Hamilton. Vicky. And so it's all the kids so and Amos. So he can easily take all of these kids on because yeah. none of the big boys are there. And they're all scared of him. 
Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the woman, uh, the woman, the girl who is hosting this whole ceremony Rachel, shouts, that's Malachi's girlfriend. Yes, shouts, kill him. And they all shout, kill, kill, kill. And he, it's not a concern. Like, he can easily take all of these kids down. But obviously, mm-hmm. you want to get out of there. So he leaves. Yeah. But what's happening is, in this ceremony, is that this is the beginning of, it's kind of like Logan's run, where when you reach a certain age... You are to be sacrificed. But except in this, you know that's coming and it's a great honor. Yes. Whereas in Logan's Run or maybe The Giver, if you're thinking about The Giver and how they kill people at a certain age, yes, they believe it's kind of put best in The Giver, actually. Uh, They call it release. And they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And I don't think these kids have any real understanding that when you go to him right what you killed what you do is you walk off into the rose at night because this is the morning of his amos's ritual yes he's gonna walk out into the into the corn at night which is his time yes his time and this is our time down here (laughs) (laughs) but you're going to get eaten by he who walks behind the rose. Like, that's what's going to happen. Yes. But it's a great moment because Rachel says, because she's aware they're not going to be able to take this guy down. Uh-huh. Who does she say to grab? Malachi. Yeah. Yeah. She at first says Isaac. Mm-hmm. And then she says, no, get Malachi. Hurry, get Isaac. <laughs> no, wait. Get Bring Malachi. <sighs> Again, they don't they don't show you this, but yes, Rachel is supposed to be his girl, his woman. His betrothed, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, in the other versions, they're already together. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> she is pregnant with his child. But uh-huh. anyway, I guess this version didn't want pregnant children. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, they don't get into the repopulation aspects of it, which is in all the other versions. Yeah. Yeah. The idea here, even if you don't understand that she is romantically linked to him. Clearly, she sees that Malachi is the one who's going to get shit done. Yeah. Isaac has all the words, but Malachi is the one that's going to kill this guy. Right, exactly. So he runs, and he ends up finding Job and Sarah. And, right, that happens here, or is it after his run-in with Malachi? All I have written is that somebody shouts, Outlander! And then he runs away. Like nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that's what I wrote down. <laughs> my 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 memory of this is a little bit uh, fuzzy about the order of events, but more importantly, what's happening back in the cornfields with Vicky up on the cross is that Malachi has gotten fed up with Isaac. He doesn't like the way he's interpreting he who walks behind the rose desires. Yes, to which. Isaac says, stop asking questions. Now, any religion basically requires you to not ask questions, right? But the problem- Well, the best, I would say the the best religious figures are the ones who do invite you to ask questions. But the problem is, is that when you say don't ask questions, that just makes you have more. Yeah. Why Uh, can't I ask questions? Why don't you want to give me answers? Uh Right? And so that angers Malachi, but it doesn't anger Malachi towards the the path of, hey, maybe this is all fucked up. No, it leads him on the path of, fuck you, Isaac. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Malachi and all of his soldiers basically restrain Isaac. They take Vicky down off the cross 
and they put Isaac up there against his protests. Yeah. And John Franklin does an excellent job of being both scared of just death, Mm -hmm. but also... Angry? He he shouts, this is the end. Listen to me. Yeah. If you do this, you are ending our way of life. Yeah. And so it's like, yes, he's afraid of dying, but he's also like... Why is no one listening to me? Right. You're going to no, completely he, fuck us all over. He sincerely believes that he is doing what his God wants him to do. He's not only scared of what may happen to him at the hands of Malachi, but also that he who walks behind the rose is going to be angry. I'm ready to celebrate my birthday. Malachi, he will not forgive you. None of you will be forgiven. All of you shall feel his wrath. We have a surprise for you, Amos. You moron. Don't you understand what he's Isaac's going to keep you coming. Walk behind the rose will decide your fate. I am the word and the giver of his laws. This is the end. I really, really liked that. I I thought he did an excellent job of showing those two emotions at once. Yeah. At this point, we see something happening with Job and Bert. Yeah, so Job finds Bert and tries to take him to safety. Oh, to their bunker yes. for when the communists air their yes. first strike. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Malachi has taken Vicky as bait to get the other outlander. Yes. This is when you get him in the town square holding Vicky and shouting out, Outlander! Outlander! Maybe. We have your woman! She still lives! Outlander! We have your woman! She still lives! Maybe you don't hear so well. <laughs> he cuts her to make her scream. Outlander, maybe you don't hear so well. <laughs> Outlander, her blood will spill unless you give yourself up. If this sounds familiar to you, this is in an episode of South Park, which is kind of a it's kind of a fucked up episode. I don't know that one. It's it's a children of the corn inspired episode oh my goodness we need to see this it's it's called it's called the wacky molestation adventure and they figure out how to get rid of all the parents who they hate by accusing them of sexually abusing them then the whole town is just run by the children and at one point cartman is the malachi character and he yells out the same line outlander we have your woman she still lives are you talking about but it's calm down all right but it's kind of fucked well it is and also if you if all the parents were taken away all the kids would be put in welfare but okay (laughs) (laughs) anyway isn't it that because they're at they're at job's house they don't even know this is happening like he doesn't even come out because like he doesn't know what's happening yeah yeah but he does go out to try to find her And it's becoming nighttime. It's about time for Isaac to be sacrificed. And they're going to watch him be sacrificed. (laughs) And it's so great. Because while he is like, it is your will. Do what you will. Poor poor Isaac is like, fuck, stop. (laughs) Don't kill me. It's not my time. So... So Bert's there to see all this happening because uh, he's trying to rescue Vicky. Who's but not there. I think she is. 
But she's just not on the cross. Oh. Well, but also, poor, poor Isaac is shouting, I did everything you asked! I did it, you commanded! I was done! But when I'm getting to the point why he's so terrified okay. is because we start to see this representation of he who walks behind the rose. And it is like the, the, the weather changes and everything. I didn't mention earlier at the gas station, we did see that the weather changed with the kids. Yeah. Which made me wonder, do they have powers? Because if you're telling me that he who walks behind the rose is mad at them, why would he help them? I think that there's a chance that none of them are right about he who walks behind the rose, that he is this demon monster. Well, yeah. Who just wants to eat things. Well, yeah. And he loves his children. Yeah. I've, and so when they go off to do something, he's there with them. But, but he's he also- didn't want them to kill the gas he's station. He's watching them. He's there. That's how he knows that he kills the gas station attendant and tells Isaac that he's upset about that. I see. So in any case, he goes and he uh, – we see this really shitty effect. Oh, it's bad. Like this – But it's the 80s. What right. do you want? <laughs> uh, they, they took this like red, red or green alternately uh, static effect, this blob kind of come up over uh, – this two-dimensional effect totally. Kind of cover Isaac as he's screaming, no, don't do it, don't do it. And then it just – like a pneumatic launcher, because you can see, okay, you know that scene in Dark Knight where the truck goes, what's the term, ass over tea kettle or whatever it is, that term? Its rear end goes up over the front uh, because there's the there's the wire that's spread out and it runs into it and it flips over because of its momentum. What they don't take out is you can see all the steam because the way that's done is with the pneumatic launcher. What they did is they had this launching mechanism in the back of the truck and they fire this piston down into the ground, which launches the rear end of the truck up over the front. And they they had like one opportunity to get this right. So they tested it out a bunch and then they did it actually in the streets of Chicago, I think it was. But anyway, what they don't take out they took out the 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 giant piston. What they don't take out is is the the air. You get that same effect here, where you can tell it's this puppet on this corn cross being launched out of this pneumatic cannon, and you see all the vapor come out after it, and it is so like you expect there to be like a slide whistle sound effect that happens at the same time. But the point is, is that he doesn't consume. Isaac, he rejects Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, he because gets, he really did. He was supposed to be his seer, and he's fucking pissed yeah. that they tried to kill him. Uh huh. Bert comes out, and he starts to get in a tussle with Malachi. So great, he just slaps the shit uh -huh. out of him. And when he takes him down, he's giving this new sermon. Like, yeah, look at the man you follow. Look how weak he is. Like, this isn't what God actually wants. There is no God without compassion. Any religion 
without love and compassion is false. You know, he's basically telling them, like, what the fuck are you kids doing here? This is out of control. <laughs> uh, but we did see that there is this thing that exists. Like, it's it it it's real. Now, it's not God, but there is something here. And so he fights Malachi, pushes him down, but everyone's like, um, uh, whoa, what's going on? But they, or at least most of them, kind of run for it. That's the problem with having kids as your followers. Yeah. <laughs> but then, Kelsey, what happens next? The greatest line ever. Ever. Isaac comes back he as pops like up. a ghoulish He has Isaac. like a gray face. He's been like Risen. brought back to life by but, he but walks as a behind zombie. the rose. Yes, you, you can tell. He has a gray face. His skin's peeling off. He got fucked up. <laughs> He would be dead if not for the power of he who walks behind the rose. And he says, he wants you too, Malachi. Malachi! (gasps) He wants you too, Malachi. He wants you. And it's so fucking good because he is so excited that he gets this because it's like he was real for a moment. He was worried. He was like, Uh oh, my God, he walks is going to kill me. Uh (laughs) And now he gets to come back and kill Malachi. And it's the best retribution. Yes. Isaac, as the sort of personification of he who walks behind the rose, Kills Malachi. Yes. He Proving snaps his neck. We were all <laughs> deceived. Yeah. None of you were chosen. Uh-huh. So everyone, Isaac and Malachi, are both dead, effectively, right? So, so all the other kids have run away with Job and Sarah and Bert and Vicky. They need but, to get out of here. Yeah, because he who walks is not happy. No, he is so pissed off by all this <laughs> shit. How has everything gotten so fucked up? <laughs> Which, it, when you think about it that way, it's kind of like Randall Flagg, where it's like, no! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did everything right! Why do these humans have to fuck everything up? Which is kind of how Or God the God of the Old feels. Testament, yeah. <laughs> like, why do these humans have to fuck everything up? You know what they need? I think they need a rainstorm for 40 days. <laughs> I mean, look, when you become a, I assume when you become a parent, it's a lot like when you become a teacher and you're uh-huh. just like, and your kid yeah, fucks fuck up. these kids. Yeah. <laughs> you fuck these people. So everything's going, going down. And they decide to burn the fields. Yeah. They talk about the fuel, the gasohol. It's what corn craves, apparently. <laughs> they hook the sprinkler system. Uh, this is why I'm referencing Idiocracy. They hook the sprinkler system up instead of water to the gas hall that they've created, and they get a Molotov cocktail put together, and they throw it, but it lands in the middle of the rose and doesn't do anything. It doesn't shatter. It doesn't catch anything on fire. Would and that so, really happen? Can that happen? Sure. I mean, really? it's not likely that a thrown bottle, but I mean, it lands in the soft dirt. I mean, I know that homemade bombs oftentimes don't work. Yeah. So is that kind of the same idea? So the point of a Molotov cocktail is that you have a gas-soaked rag, 
shoved inside of a bottle, which is filled with more gas, and then you light the end of that rag. It's not a fuse. It's just a flame source. So when you throw the bottle and it shatters, sending the gas everywhere, that gas ignites. It's just a way to catch things on fire. But if it doesn't shatter, it's not going to work as well. It's not going to be as effective, especially if the rag is plugging up that hole. And so when it falls over, none of the gas can get out. It's possible, but it's not very likely. But it is possible. So I think it's Job, right, goes and runs after it, or is it Sarah? It is Job, and it's. I think it's supposed to be a tense scene. Well, because he who walks behind the rose is coming after him, like... Like in Tremors. Right. Or very like, much like Tremors. Like Bugs Bunny, you see the, 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 the mound kind of coming and chasing after him, and... But the problem is, Job makes it. And then he who walks is next to him. And then he just kind of stops. And he just, no, he runs along next to him, but he doesn't attack? Yeah. What? So Job Why? runs back with the <laughs> bottle and gives Bert another chance to throw it. So this whole scene was pointless. Yeah, they could have just, they just needed another tense moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another special effect, which how they did that is they took a wheelbarrow. They, they took everything off of it. They turned it upside down and put that on wheels and dragged that behind a tractor. They put a tarp over the top of it and put it in a like a groove in the ground and then covered all of that with dirt. And then so when they pulled on the tractor on one end, it yanked this upside down thing on wheels under this tarp that's covered with dirt. And so it looks like it's moving through the ground. Well, that's when it's innovative. Really not. Yeah, no, it's really cool. It's the Shame only opportunity they had to do that. Tremors. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which, Tremors. <laughs> Tremors is on our list, right? It isn't. I can add it. Oh, God, I love Tremors. <laughs> Tremors was another one that I watched as a very young child. Ooh, Tremors me. scared the yeah. crap out uh-huh. of me when I was a kid. <laughs> but I watched it. I watched the whole thing. I don't um, even think that lasted for very long, though. I think, like, when I, when I turned, like, as I saw it when I was really young, uh-huh. uh, and then I saw it, like, when I was, like, 11, I was like, what the fuck is this uh-huh. shit? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he throws the Molotov cocktail again, and the whole thing goes up in smoke. And they're like, ha we did it. Let's get out of here. And they find their car abandoned, and it's covered in corn as if it was attacked somehow. Oh, but you forget their stupid conversation on the way to the fucking car. What is the conversation? The kid says some stupid joke, and Bert goes, "Where'd you get this guy?" Like we oh, didn't, yeah, uh-huh. like we didn't just murder a bunch of children yeah, uh-huh. and, like, and see a demon. <laughs> and they also agree, like, "Hey, you can be our kids now." Yes, <laughs> let's just bypass all due process. You're yeah. gonna just live with us now, okay? But in any case, they're gonna take them with them. And they 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 get they go to get back in the car. Vicky gets in first when she's attacked by Rachel, who's Who been waiting in the car. Not ready to give up her power yet. No, she was not, and she attacks them. And they, you must die. Yeah, they hit her, but it's Just kind of knock like a, her out. <laughs> it's kind of like this weird, like visually, it was very awkward. And they knock her out, and they they leave her there. And I, do they get in the car and drive away? No. So. They're like, guess we got to walk. And then she picks up the little girl. Are you planning on carrying her for 19 yeah, miles? Yeah, no, for a little bit. But what I love is, did you forget there's a dead body in your trunk? Y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> it's still in that trunk. Uh, that is... 
I, what I assume is that they're going to send some child welfare out to Gatlin since they can. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about the blue man. That's what Vicky saw. Oh, he didn't even talk about it. Yeah. At one point, apparently a cop showed up and they were able to kill the cop. And nobody came after the cop, apparently. Yeah. Which is a little weird. Yeah. Maybe he was just driving through and so nobody knew where he was. Maybe. But they didn't come searching for him later. But yeah, there's this skeleton and he's in a cop's uniform. he walks, you can tell, is protecting them in some way. Right, yeah. So, that is Children of the Corn, Kelsey, Lightning Rat. No, I think I got everything. I mean, like, I could go on and on about how amazing Isaac is, but I won't. (laughs) The tagline for this movie is... A child shall lead them? Yes. They do say that in the movie at one point, and a child shall lead them. Yes. That is Isaiah eleven six, which is an Old Testament verse, which fully reads, And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. They did not understand the meaning behind that. Right, totally. I also have down here, everyone but Bert and Vicky are awful actors. Whether or not they're entertaining. How dare you? Malachi and Isaac are extremely entertaining. Not because they're bad. They just are bad. How dare you? (laughs) Isaac is amazing. Because he's so much fun. But it's it's a little obvious that he's a 24-year-old. I disagree. I would have had no idea if you had never told me. He's got like the bags under his eyes and stuff like that. I never would have guessed. You never would have gotten me to guess that. I just thought for the longest time, that's an amazing child actor. Yeah. And you know what? I don't even care that he's an adult. I I don't give a fuck about that. I, I thought he did a fantastic job. And I think he acts like a kid would who would be put in that position. I think if you actually had a child who had become this leader based on these bizarre things, well, and we also I have think to, that's how he would act. We also have to understand that in this version only, like I said before, he's a traveling child preacher. Like he's got this whole fire and brimstone shtick down before he ever comes to Gatlin. As opposed to in the other stories where we don't really see much of the preaching, uh, we see a lot of it here. We don't see much of the preaching in the other versions. These are all kids who come from this town. Uh, so I guess that maybe there's a little bit of a explanation there. So, Kelsey, mm-hmm. what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I know it has a following. I'm going to... It's not about a following. I it's know. About the, you know. I'm going to guess 81. 36. Metacritic of 45. I thought I was shooting high. I did not sh- think I was shooting that high. Children of the Corn's strong premise and beginning gets shucked away, uh, yuck, for a kitty thriller that runs in circles. Fucking bullshit. Roger Ebert. How dare you? Roger Ebert gave the film one star out of four, saying, by the end of Children of the Corn, the only thing moving behind the rows is the audience fleeing to the exits. The New York Times said, as such movies go, Children of the Corn is fairly entertaining. If you can stomach the gore and the sound of child actors trying to talk in something that might be called Farm Belt Biblical. 
which yeah, and no. they're all talking in in this sort of like. And I'm fine with it. I thought Old they Testament did a good job. Talk. I believed it. Well, I don't know necessarily that I believe it. I don't believe it, and that's my problem. But it's not much of a problem because I enjoy it. I don't care about believing it. I enjoy it. I feel like I feel like you guys haven't been around a lot of religious kids. Uh-huh. I have. <laughs> Empire gave it three stars out of five. But called out its, quote, ludicrous monster movie denouement. TV Guide gave it one out of five stars because they would grade all the movies that were on TV. Uh, calling it lame and that it has a gratuitous visual style, which I don't feel that that's true. I don't either. Uh, at all. But I guess that's different time period. Yeah. We were seeing it from a very different eye than they were. <laughs> but Rolling Stone... Uh, ranked the top 30 Stephen King movies. They put this at number seven, and they called it a lean, brutally tense slasher film. Good. Yeah. Someone recognizes it. <laughs> well, We it was... just watched a video, and he was like one of the top scariest villains. Yeah. Because he is. There's something terrifying about a child that, that has that kind of power. Yeah. It's obviously popular to some extent because there are several sequels. I will not get into exactly the number until a little bit later. Okay. What would you give it, Kelsey? Obviously, it's underrated, but what would you give it? I love this movie, so fuck it. I'm giving it an 85. I was going to give it an 80. I I love this movie, too. Love this movie. Yeah. Again, not believable. It is a little bit silly, but it doesn't matter because it's just fucking fun and again this movie terrified me as a child <laughs> i never saw it until i was like in high school so. yeah i think this movie is fantastic and i actually disagree with you like look i'm not saying that they deserved oscars <laughs> but i actually thought they did a great job with it so. yeah that's fair that's fair all right kelsey before we move on to the next film in this double feature movie trivia give me what you got you ready for another insanely easy question and guys i realize that i think we've actually asked both of the questions i'm i asked one before in this one but you know what it's a new box so yeah we're just they just happen it. to ask the questions again yeah yeah we're just treating it like we have never asked it before uh-huh. what is the name of the demon group summoned by the puzzle box in the movie hellraiser the cenobites that is correct yeah all right kelsey This is wrong, because I think it's a little bit old, but I'm going to ask the question, and I have the right answer. I will give you a little bit of leeway, but I'll explain what that leeway is in a second here. Okay. How many sequels are there to Children of the Corn? (laughs) I should have figured that out, why you wouldn't say how many there were. God, I know there's a lot, but I have no idea how many there are. I'm just going to take a wild guess. Six. So it really depends on whether or not you count the remake in those numbers. Okay. If you include that in the series, which most people do include it on a chronological list, Mm -hmm. if you include that, there are nine Nine. sequels. They are as follows. I'm going to read these out to you. You ready? Yeah. Uh, In 1992, so eight years later. Wait a minute. Hmm. That means they're not counting the short film. They're not. Should be 10. Well, it's to this film, not to 
the book. Well, then you can't count the remake. That's what I'm saying. So I would have given you eight as well. Okay. (laughs) 1992's Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. Seriously, horror movies, stop putting final (laughs) in your subtitles. Yep. Stop it. (laughs) Especially on the second movie. (laughs) 1995's Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, because eventually every horror movie goes urban if it's not already. (laughs) And this time they went to- Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. This time they went to Chicago. And it's actually Charlize Theron's first movie role. That's weird. 1995. And Leprechaun goes to the hood. It's It's just above horror movie franchises going to space. Right? Nothing saves Jason going to space. <laughs> the leprechaun goes to space, I think, right? The leprechaun goes to I'm space? I'm pretty sure he goes to space. Oh, God. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the series well enough. 1996s, so they're coming like fast and furious at this point. They waited eight years, and then they're coming like a lot faster. 1996's Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering. Well, because the 90s was kind of a black hole for Oh, war. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, 1998's Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror. Fields of Terror. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Okay. This is the last movie that they number. What year? 1999. Okay. Children of the Corn 666. That's why I guessed six. Isaac's Return. He came back. John Franklin does reprise his role in this movie. Oh, fuck. Now I have to watch the entire series. How do they explain him coming back, do you think? He walks brought him back. He's been in a coma for 19 years. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just say he who walks brought him back? Why wouldn't you just do that? Uh, maybe it's in somewhere in the storyline. We're going to have to watch it, I guess. 2001, Children of the Corn Revelation. And then they stopped for eight years. And then the remake came out in 2009, which is the next one we're going to talk about. But then there are two more after that. And seriously, I dove, there's so much cross-referencing. Some stuff's based on the books. There's the original. There's the remake. There's the short film. There's the original script that Stephen King wrote that wasn't used. There's so much stuff to cross-reference. I wasn't going to dive any deeper into this. I have no idea if they're sequels to the 2009 remake or if they're sequels to <laughs> the original 1984 version or if they're standalones or what. But in 2011, they made Children of the Corn Genesis, which I guess is a prequel, so it kind of doesn't matter. Okay. I would assume by the title. Okay. And 2018's 18's Children of the Corn Runaway. So there are 10 movies in this series, including the remake, which we're going to talk about next. Written and directed by Donald P. Borchers. Uh, Stephen King also gets teleplay credit in addition to the short story. I would assume because they use so much of his original short story dialogue. But King said, he didn't even say, sorry. (laughs) He had his attorneys write a letter saying that he wanted nothing to do with this. So there's that. Stephen King hates this? The remake? 
Oh, the remake. Yeah, but he did have a problem with the original in 1984. He wrote a script, and they disregarded it. They decided not to go with Stephen King's script and, and went the way that they did, which deviated in many ways from the original short story. The short story. Who gives a shit? Right. Because Stephen King's script starts out with over half an hour of a couple bickering. Mm-hmm. This version has that in it. And it's 45 minutes. It's half the movie before we get into the children meet the adults. And it's not just bickering. It's her just screaming. I don't want to use the term hysteria because that's a loaded term, historically speaking. But she is manic. And it doesn't. And and it's not like, oh, that you might be thinking, well, of course, she sees a dead kid. Then she goes crazy. No, 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 no. It's she's manic well before they hit like the, the kid. first line of the movie is her screaming at him because the radio's too loud and it's barely even on. And we have no idea why she's like this. And yes, we find out through the course of the movie that he's a bad husband, but we hate her already by this point. And you're not going to dial that back for us. And it's also the way the actress portrays oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Because there's there's ways of being angry and not having to scream at a oh, person. Yeah. And that's all she does. She is her, her unbearable. She's insufferable. Her acting coach failed her when they taught her how to be angry. Oh, my God. So anyway, <laughs> her name is Candace McClure. I didn't say the stars. Starring David Anders, Candace McClure, and Daniel Newman. Candace McClure was in the the made-for-TV remake of Carrie from 2002, which we did not talk about on this show. We talked about the two theatrical releases. She played Sue Snell. Huh. But David Anders, who plays Bert, he's in Alias and Heroes. I think he comes in in season two. He's the white samurai guy. And iZombie, I guess. I've never seen the show, but I know it's very popular, and he's in a lot of episodes of that. I didn't watch any of those shows. He is also, though, Kelsey, in a show you did watch, he is Dr. Frankenstein from Once Upon a Time. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. (sighs) It's a good show. (laughs) Well, to an extent. It's a good show if you're you're a Disney fan. Right. If you're a fairy tale fan. Totally. So... What is... Especially the first season. I'm not saying all seasons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, to an extent. Some seasons are real bad. Right. What is this one about? It's extremely similar, except that they are not on their way to an internship. They are on their way just to have a trip to try and save their failing marriage. Yes. Otherwise, they're on a trip. They get to they get to Gatlin on accident, and we're gonna have them bickering at each other for forty five fucking minutes. No joke. I am not surprised they rejected King's original script. Now it it makes sense in the short story because what happens in the short story is again you get King's prose, and the prose is punctuated by dialogue, which is fine because you're not just getting dialogue all concentrated together like you are in this. It's spread apart wide by prose, which adds so much context to these lines of dialogue, which, you again, you do not get in this version. It's just take out all of that explanation, just have the dialogue, concentrate it down, and it is just insufferable. And, again, I think it really has to do with the performance because it could have been done very differently 
and perhaps she couldn't have she wouldn't have been as insufferable as she was. Yeah. To the point where after I saw it, and remember we had not seen the short yet, we had not read the story yet. I thought I came Oh, I can't say that. We'll also talk about the short film in this because it follows much the same storyline. Uh, just like this one does, which is very close to the original short story that King wrote. So we'll talk about all that in this one. But we didn't mention in the first half, because we just said, yes, you should watch it regardless. But the original is available for free on Amazon and Hulu if you subscribe to those services. But it's only $8 to buy it. This one is $4 to rent and $6 to buy on Amazon, iTunes, and Vudu. Should people watch this movie? I'm going to say no, even though I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than Chris did. Yeah. But it's not a great movie by any standard. No. So Seriously, it takes you a an hour, if that, to read the short story. Just do that. I thought it was good because it did different things than the original did. Right, but the things it does different are the things from the short stories. So just read it. Yeah. The or short, yeah. take 18, 19 minutes to watch the short film. It's on YouTube. It's called Disciples of the Crow. It speeds through all the stuff that you hate about this version. But then it doesn't give you the ending of the no, short story. it which, doesn't. Which the remake does. Right, yes. So there's, there's a little bit of something different that you get out of all four of these. But this... Follows the short story much more closely to the point where it's just cribbing dialogue 100%, like I said. And that's a problem for this. I did enjoy that the remake also took some lines from the original film. Yeah. I liked that because it was like... We know you like this stuff. We know you love the original. We're going to give you some fun lines from uh -huh. it. Especially, they basically just took Isaac's speech... And yeah. gave it to this other kid. Yeah, you also get and a little bit more of the okay. kids. Right. You get he's nah, no, no, he's not. He's eh. Franklin, whatever. No, you can tell he's a kid who has no idea how he's supposed to act it out. <laughs> um, but in any case, that you have these speeches because there is stuff that you like from the original that they try to include here. You get a lot more of the kids in this than you do in the original short story, but that's really where it deviates the most. For the most part, it follows the major plot beats of the short story a lot closer than the original does. For instance, there is no Job and there is no Sarah. That's just one of them. And then the ending is completely different. Completely. Completely different. And I enjoyed this ending. I, I like it was interesting. I like a lot more what happens to Malachi in this ending than I do. I mean, it's fun in the original. But I think you get that animosity between yes. him and Isaac, and it's so good. Yes, but in in this story, I think it kind of reinforces exactly what's wrong in the society and how strong their faith is mm -hmm. uh, in, in this version. So their faith is kind of represented differently in this version and the short story. But you again, you do not need to watch this. <laughs> Read the short story. It's part of Night Shift. Uh, it, which is a collection of his short stories. It was originally written for Penthouse. Night Shift also contains Salem's Lot. So. Yeah, it has a, has a bunch of other stuff that you've probably heard of. But yes, including Salem's Lot. You can kind of tell this is written for Penthouse. It, it's all from the man's perspective. and Makes the woman seem a little bit crazy. Yes. However, uh, yes. it's very different from the remake in that you do not hate her anywhere near like you know and movie. and he does have those instincts that you feel in the short story you feel 
King wants the readers to sort of like recognize themselves in. And then by the end of the story, he kind of recognizes how awful it is for him to think this stuff. Yes. It's almost like King's telling the audience, like, listen, if you have these feelings towards women, knock that shit off. Mm-hmm. It's much more violent emotionally towards Vicky than it was in the original where they absolutely loved each other. Except that he didn't want to get married. (laughs) (laughs) I sincerely hope you take our advice. Either way, when we get back, we will talk about 2009's Children of the Corn. The next town is Gatlin. It's about 10 miles. Stoplight's dead. Something's happening this time. There's something wrong here. I can feel it. It felt like somebody was watching me. Maybe someone was. We gotta get out of here! Time of judgment is now on hand. What do you want? I'm going to give you peace. All right, Kelsey, we've basically broken down the major plot beats of the Children of the Corn story. So let's really get into how this differs from the first movie we watched, and how it aligns with the original short story. The thing is, is that there's huge differences between this and the But I mean, the effective plot beats, they follow the same thing. Yeah, it's the same Kid tries to get away, they kill him in the corn when they shouldn't, they push him out into the street, he gets hit by the car driven by Bert and Vicky, they realize that his throat's been slit, they go to Gatlin, they... Are they? They figure out that the place is a ghost town and that something weird's going on. They're besieged by the uh, children that, of Gatlin. That is when it deviates majorly. Oh yes, when they're when when they get first attacked, when he is in the church, and when she is attacked in the car. Very different playing out. Yes, <laughs> you just need to know that that from the beginning to minute forty five, when she is in the car, he's in the church. And she's getting surrounded by the children. That is 45 minutes of bickering. Well, we also get to see that we we talked about this. We don't really have to say it again. But th- we see the difference in that it was 12 years ago and that the kid who first came is now dead. Yes. Uh, so we get a kid in the beginning who's doing this uh, whole speech thing a lot like what Isaac does in... The original, but that is not Isaac. Isaac will be a different kid when we meet him. Yeah, so there is this concept that's set up from the beginning that the seer, the one who speaks to he who walks behind the rose, is a blessing that is given to you and passed on because... The original prophet turned 19 and had to walk into the cornfield at night and had to be replaced by somebody else. And so that's Isaac in this. 
Isaac that we know in this movie is the second prophet. And he's still very young. He's nowhere near 19. But there is the concept that he could be replaced by someone even younger, at least eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first couple notes are Jesus Christ, is this how he wrote them? He being Stephen King. They're fucking awful people. And like I said, I already broke down what the difference is between the book and the dialogue in this, even though they're word for word. Uh, and my next note is she's just the fucking worst. So, okay. In the original, they had this nothing argument over the fact that she wanted to get married. In this it version, wasn't really even an argument. It wasn't. Yeah. In this version, they are married. They have been married for quite some time. Uh, and their marriage is falling apart. Yeah. Why, we don't know. They don't tell us. But there is there has become a lot of animosity between them. Uh, basically, what it is, and th- it, this is touched on in the short story, and the remake just runs with it. Yeah. Uh, he is... He's a Vietnam War vet. Yeah. And she just kind of gives him a lot of shit over... All the same shit that Vietnam vets got, basically. You know, but now it's his wife who's giving that same shit to him. Yeah, I mean, it. so like I said, it, it's touched on in the story. But here, it's like, oh, that's all you are. All you do enjoy doing is killing and you enjoy yeah, the game of war. everything goes back to that. Big Vietnam! War hero? Huh? All purple heart and all that? Huh? Come on, John Wayne! What are you gonna do? It's no time to go section eight! Yeah, constantly. She keeps going back to that. And, like, she's just mad from word one. Now, if it was just, just simmering anger, it would be far easier to handle. But she is just screaming. Yeah. Like, the whole time, her first line is turn it down, it's too loud, you do that just to get under, under my skin. And that is how the short story starts. They are in an argument, and she is mad at him for turning on the music too loud. And he's doing it specifically so he doesn't have to listen to her. Yeah, but the short story does a lot better job of making you understand both sides of the argument. Even though it's from his perspective, it still does, yes. Whereas in the film... It's just like, well, we don't like this person. Mm -hmm. And I came to the conclusion that the movie decided to really make you dislike her so that when she dies, dies real early on, uh, remember Eh, how- Not real early on. Remember how I said that when when they pull over, like when they stop in town square, that it deviates? Yeah. Yeah. That's when she dies. Well, she gets pulled away, and then there's his whole chase scene, and eventually he comes across her, and she's already on the cross. She's had her eyes gouged out and have corn shoved into them, and she's dead. Uh, So when she gets taken away at about the 50-minute mark, that's the last time you see her alive. And this is an hour and a half movie. So it's before the end of the movie, but it's not like really early on. Well, it feels early on because literally all you've gotten to this point is them just screaming at each other. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think like we said before, uh, in the short story version, that moment in the town square where they where he's in the church, she's in the car and they kind of converge on them, that is literally the 
first time we are introduced to the kids. Not so in this movie. We get peppered accounts of what's going on with the kids throughout this 45 minutes, but really, really briefly. And there's this really shitty scene where Isaac is on the roof commanding them like he's a SWAT team leader with just hand signals. (laughs) It's so stupid. And when Bert stands up to all of them and kills one of the kids, one of Malachi's soldiers, Isaac on the roof is like, Hey, you know, he walks behind the rose, guide my aim, and he just kind of overhand lobs a knife, and it goes straight from the roof all the way across the street and right into his arm. That is, in the book, the first time Bert even knows anything's going on. In the story, it's Malachi that does it. Yes, from like down the alley, and he doesn't even realize he's been stabbed. There's this great moment where he's like, when did I grow a knife as a tumor out of my arm. Like it just did doesn't register for him right away. But in this, we see it happen and it, it is bad. I'm, I'm going to get a clip of him throwing that knife. It is awful. I watched it and I laughed. That's how bad it was. I was about to say, I like it. Not because of the effect. I'm saying the effect, but I just, I love that. I love that he tosses it. He's not even trying. Yeah. Because he has faith that he who walks Mm -hmm. is going to go straight for the heart. And he's right in that he who walks will aid him. Yeah. But he won't do it straight through the heart because at this point he who walks is mad at them because they spill blood inside the corn. And it is touched on very lightly that Malachi killed this kid uh, in the wrong way. Yeah. But in this version, Malachi is Far more reserved. Oh, he is 100% dedicated. Yes. He he doesn't exactly like some of the things that Isaac tells him to do. Right. But uh, he he does it unquestioningly. He's also really um, drawn to Nahum, who's a new character in this. I thought Nahum was supposed to be his son. It was a little confusing. I don't know. No, I think- He might have been too old for him to be his son. He's a very young child who- is so adorable and you absolutely love him, but again, terrible acting. Uh, but he just needs to be a, a, a young child and regurgitate lines. But <laughs> he he tells Malachi that he who walks behind the rose was talking to him. Or showed himself to yes. him. And Malachi is like, oh, is Nahum the new speaker? Is he the new once, conduit? Once Isaac reaches the age of whatever the fuck they call it, uh, oh, maybe you'll be the new seer. Yeah. And Nam says, I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is probably the only indication of, of dissent among the ranks. Yeah. Uh, because immediately Malachi, and not cruelly, I thought that was interesting. They decided to stay away, even though Malachi is the head of the older boys and he is the head of the violence. Yeah. He he doesn't, he's not cruel to this kid. He just says, do not blaspheme. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to teach him. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of, as much as I love the cartoonish nature of Courtney Gaines in the original as Malachi, <laughs> Outlander! Outlander! Yeah, <laughs> as maybe much you as, don't hear so good. <laughs> as much as I love that, like, I'm not diminishing that in any way. As much as I love that, as a general concept removed of all context, I like this Malachi more as a character. 
it's one of the few things I actually like more in this version is and not that he's a great actor or anything like that, but just the way they characterize him, I think is pretty good because one of the things that happens at the end, again, we're not really going chronologically here. It's revealed that Isaac says that as punishment, the age of reckoning or the age of i can't remember what it's called yeah whatever it's called i'm sure i'll find it eventually yeah has been lowered from 19 to 18 and so now the age of favor is lowered from 19 planting and harvest to 18. each and every one of you will walk into the corn at dusk upon your 18th birthday and he who walks behind the rose will find you and you will walk with him so the lord told me because he's so displeased with yeah. what they've done. And so everyone kind of looks at Malachi and Malachi looks at everyone else and then he just straightens up and he's like, you know, I follow the will of God. I obey the word of God. Praise God. Praise God. Because that means that Malachi that night has to walk into the corn. Because he's already 18. Mm-hmm. We also see his... Common law wife, I guess. Rachel, yeah. She's <laughs> uh, pregnant. She visibly is pregnant. In this, yeah. And in this version, she will cry when she learns that he must go, but she doesn't say anything. In the book or in the short story? In the short story, one of the last lines is her thinking about how she actually hates he who walks mm-hmm. because he has taken her lover and that she thinks sometimes about burning the corn down, but that. She's, She's too way scared. too afraid to do mm-hmm. it. Which is really interesting. So let's go back to the town square and Vicky gets carted away. There's a gun in this one. We mentioned how Bert grabbed a tire iron in the last one. And this one, he has a rifle, which they treat like a shotgun. It, it's, a, it's explicitly a rifle in the short story. But she has that in the car when they all surround her. In her fear, trying to protect herself, she ends up killing one of the children who's climbing on the car and and smashing it up, which uh, she's well within her rights. (laughs) Yeah, she's totally justified. It does her no good. There's way too many of them. Mm -hmm. And she gets she ends up getting carted away and Bert doesn't see what happens to her. He's dealing with his own thing, having just figured out what's going on in the church and coming across these kids now. He's alerted to the fact that something's going on because there's the horn honking and then the gunshot. He's like, oh, shit. Right. And he goes out there and there's all these kids and then he gets attacked. He gets stabbed in the arm by Isaac, not Malachi. He ends up killing two kids in the alley there. Which they kind of show the shock on the kid's face. Yeah. It's better in the short story because you get the whole like, ah, ha, ha. That wasn't part of the script, was it? Yeah. I was a character who was supposed to die, but you weren't. But I actually enjoy his response because he says, this is my game. I've played on better courts than yours. I'm going to win. You better have more than kitchen knives and screwdrivers, kitties. You better find a flamethrower. This is my game. I've played it before on better courts than yours. I kind of love that line. Later on, 
there's a whole segment of the movie where he's running through the cornfield away from them. He's having flashbacks. And he's having flashbacks to Vietnam. And so he is just taking out these kids one by one, including Nahum, this tiny little kid. And you hate that he dies because you love this little kid. <laughs> and you don't even see him much. He's in like two scenes, but just yeah. immediately you're like, oh. He's got a lisp and like, yeah. he's a cute kid. <laughs> um, he mentions... Bert does that you shouldn't mess with somebody who did years of jungle patrol. And then his line is, why don't you put that in your god and smoke it? Sunwise to mess with the guy who spent three years on jungle patrol. <sighs> why don't you put that in your god and smoke it? it I'm weird. sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> also, I meant to look this up. At one point, he says, come out, you black pajama. Yeah, I looked something. it up and it was just showing me black pajamas shopping. I'm like, is that like a racist thing from... Vietnam or something? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I'm sorry if we've offended anybody. Yeah, I, I, yeah. If, I, if I just said an offensive term, I don't even know that I did. Right. Oh, there's so many lines that we're skipping that I love. When he when he first sees the kids, he, he calls them assholes or something, and, I, and Malachi goes, it will do you no good to curse me, Outlander. <laughs> also, an interesting little thing that they included when he's running through the town, he sees in one of the clothing stores that they've put the corpses of adults in place of yeah. the mannequins, which is weird because they're supposed to be in the corn. Like, they were supposed to be offerings. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about, but it was weird. There's also this fun. really weird thing when Isaac is on the roof that they show next to him on the roof is the blue man. Yeah. And it's like, do, do they just carry the blue they man around with, with them? <laughs> okay, I'm going to go up on the roof. You guys carry the blue man up. Set him down gently. <laughs> gently. All right, now go back down and surround the car. <laughs> Why is that part of it? And oh. the skeleton is oh. part of it. <laughs> <laughs> the first time he takes a kid down. Oh, he just snaps his fucking neck. Snap no, he snaps his arm oh, through that one. it. Yes. it is, it's just so, a compound fracture. It is so Super real looking, yeah. and, ah! I mean, I'm sure if you go back and watch it again, it's not. But you're <laughs> since you're not expecting it to be a prosthetic, you you're not ready for the bone to just come right out in a in a single shot too, <laughs> which was pretty cool. But he, yeah, he does. He just snaps some kid's neck too. Uh, he slits one kid's throat. He guts one kid. Like he is just going hardcore at these little kids, and you can tell. Why, in 1984, this shit was not in the original. Yes. Also, did you notice that they played the same music from the original? Did you notice that? No. They do. It's a choral sound. It's like yeah. kids going, ah, ah, or something like that. Uh -huh. They used it in both. I love that. And I do really, really love that the remake takes dialogue heavily from the short story but it also includes some really fun lines from the original and it found interesting ways to interlace them throughout yeah and i really liked that because it showed that like hey we get it you probably loved the original we did too uh it's just that it wasn't very close to the short story and we want to tell that story instead and so they kind of put all of it together kind of what uh dr sleep is trying to do yeah I was thinking the same thing I thought of Dr. Sleep. Mm -hmm. Because how is it that you try to stay more faithful, but you still want to take advantage of the cool shit in the original? So, yeah. So, for example, one of the lines that they lace in 
At one point, Vicky says, Gatlin's got religion. That's from the original film, and that's said by the gas station attendant. I also really enjoyed when, in the original, when Malachi first takes Vicky, he says, we've come to bring you peace. What do you want? We want to give you peace. And in this version, it's right before she dies that they say, we've come to bring you peace. Mm -hmm. We've come to give you peace. I'd also like to point out that not only in this version, not only in the short film, but also in the short story, we get the line, and I, I if we had more time, I would lace it throughout so that we could do it three times, Yeah, but I won't. Before he can go into wherever it is that he goes into first, she stops him and she says, don't you hear it? And he says, hear what? She says, the nothing the reason Kelsey was really excited about this <laughs> is because she wants me to include a never-ending story clip right here about the nothing. Because she literally calls it the nothing. Yes. Do you hear it? Hear what? The nothing. The nothing is destroying our world. Do you hear it? The nothing. And you must hurry, Atreyu. The nothing grows stronger every day. And it's kind of a cliche line, too. But, I mean, this was in the original short story. Yes. Uh, the whole, like, do you hear it? What? Silence. <laughs> like, that concept, it's really cliche. And if you're putting that in your writing, don't. It's old now. I'm saying when King did it, it was fine. But nowadays, stop doing that. It shouldn't be in a 2009 movie. The nothing. The nothing. The nothing. Come at me, Gamork. <laughs> Uh, and then, then you hear kids laughing. And that's kind of, that was what I was going to say, is that I like it because she says the nothing, and almost immediately afterwards they hear children laughing. I think that's just convenient timing. I don't think they're laughing at them. I assume. It's very convenient timing. Very convenient, just for him to have a comeback for her. I hear children yeah. I smell children. <laughs> Is that uh, witches? <laughs> it's from Hocus Pocus. Oh, Hocus Pocus. Either in both of them. Oh, they, they smell can children. smell. Yeah. They can smell kids in the witches. You're right. I like it because it's like that should be a creep factor. Yes. Why can you hear nothing but children? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's never a good sign. And then he's like, "Ha! I win!" Like that's his response to that instead of "What's going on here?" Yes. But anyway, back to the main storyline. Eventually, they they leave. So they, they're running after him. He gets into the corn. And at first, the kids are too afraid to go in. I'm not going in there without Isaac or Malachi. Mm-mm. Yeah. But Malachi so. even says, though, at one point that to somebody else about how the corn rows belong to he who walks behind the rows at night, like the night belongs to him. He says that to Nam. Yeah. During the day, it's okay. Because obviously they need to reap and sow. So yes. like. But they are afraid to go in without their leaders. Yeah. What you get in the short story that you don't really get in this is that the corn is working against Bert. And for a while, he thinks he's really outwitting them in the corn. And then ultimately, 
it guides him back to the clearing when he thinks he's just running right down a row. And well, this kind of does that, but we're, we're I think you didn't notice it so much because they're so focused on the Vietnam shit. Yeah. That like you're not picking up on the fact that he is obviously being led. Yeah. And then and you do get a little bit of like the leaves of corn like wrapping around legs and stuff like that. You get a little bit of that. And then it opens up into a clearing, and he's like, shit, this isn't where I should be. I need to get out of here. And he turns around, and the row that he just had run down was gone. As a matter of fact, all of them were gone. It's just a circle of corn and nowhere to run through it. The implication being that, yes, there is really a power here, and it's manipulating him. Mm -hmm. And when he gets there, that's when he finds Vicky dead next to... The blue man, and in the short story, the old preacher. Mm-hmm. Before anyone gets to him, there's the the he who walks behind the rose. We get this kind of like POV shot, and then it comes down on top of him, and he looks up and he screams, and it kind of goes into his mouth. Kind of like in The Omen. Yeah. Where he's like looking up, and he's like, ah. It reminded me a lot of that. Then cut to the kids. Who are having a... Sex ritual. Oh, right. We didn't talk about that. Which is not in the short story, which wouldn't surprise me if it was, because King does some weird shit with sex in his stories. Uh-huh. But it's not in there. Yes, of course, they tell us that Rachel is pregnant. They, they have to show you that they're having kids. Otherwise, this cult it'll, would die it'll out. Last. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so we know they're having children. But this movie... Could you just imagine one last 18-year-old... He's the only one left. He was the youngest one of the group because none of them ha- ended up having kids. And he's just sitting there alone in Gatlin by himself waiting for his 19th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> giving sermons to himself. <laughs> so in this movie, I don't, I don't understand what. I mean, I guess they wanted to have nudity. I didn't know sci-fi could have nudity. We see a girl... Who's supposed oh. to be younger than 18. Yeah, to be clear. Well, she could be 18. Guess. Well, no, because you have to have the nine months. Yeah, well, maybe it's her 18th birthday and You're that's when it they do it. pretty close. Yeah, no, I know. But we didn't say before, this was actually a sci-fi movie. That's where it aired when we say it's made for TV. It's originally on sci-fi in 09. Uh, actually, it, it will be 10 years ago... God, when this will air on, this will go up on Monday, the, what is that, the 23rd? Three days. This aired on September 26, 2009. In three days, it will be 10 years old. And then later that year, it was released on DVD. Uncut, which is the version we saw. I think that's why we get to see the nudity in this version. Okay. But so, we have this bizarre scene of these kids having sex, and like you, you get it right off the bat. You know what's happening. What you're not expecting is that it turns into a frenzied spectacle. Yeah, where all the and it's only boys, which doesn't make sense. Uh huh. Because the girls there, and it's not. It's not like this is a misogynist thing where like they tie her down and they like all rape her. Like she's enjoying herself. But there's only men watching for some yeah. reason, which is weird. And then it's like little boys and mm-hmm. they're getting excited. Now, I get 
I suppose if boys were really brought up in this society and like, you know. It's probably the subservience thing. It would probably be very exciting for them. But it is weird. It's a little weird. And it's it's unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. But that, I, I, God, I completely forgot about that. Where I was going was, this is the moment when Isaac says that the age drops down to 18. Oh. And Malachi kind of accepts his fate, and Rachel is proud of him, but sad. And the movie ends here with Bert dead. You don't find out until the very last shot. They're they're just talking about like you know he's not he's displeased he's he's well, lower he said, the age. He who walked behind the rose had to take care of it himself. But they don't show you yes until the very last shot when Isaac turns and yells scarecrow and you see oh Bert's dead too. Bert's dead too. It's one of those horror movies where the protagonists all die in the end. Yeah. Which I think is pretty neat. Which is what happens in the short story. Uh-huh. They do both die in the short story. Which is a lot easier to pull off in a short story as well, I think. But in the short film, they both end up getting away. So the scene where they the kids come after the car. Uh-huh. He, I forget how. They're able, I could go through my notes, but I don't yeah, think yeah, we're going to do worth that. It. They end up getting away in that moment. Yeah. So we don't get the whole other half of the story, which is fine for a short film. But yeah, this was just really shocking that they uh-huh. killed Bert cuz you you I mean like yes they said he had to do it himself, but it was like did he? Yeah. Until they finally show you. No, he did. <laughs> so let's talk a, a little bit about Disciples of the Crow. It's on YouTube. You can watch it yourself. Uh first of all, It takes place in Oklahoma and not Nebraska for no good reason. No good reason. It takes place in the city of Jonah instead of Gatlin for no good reason. (laughs) The bickering is better, but mainly because, like, it's the same words, but there's fewer of them. And it's just a very different delivery. It's a lot more natural sort of marital arguing, right? Much Um, more just, like, bickering. Yeah. Than just screaming. It's also, there's a, there's... A thing in that version about corn where it's used as like a blessing that you give, right? You you leave corn kernels places. There's this whole thing about the drinking bird toy. Didn't get it. They're the disciples of the crow. I guess it's a bird thing. But in any case, you know, he finds on the boy a bag full of corn kernels. And so when they- and a crow's foot. Yes. And so when they are listening to the sermon on the radio and the guy says, defiler of corn, and then she turns it off and he's like, wait, what did he say? It makes a lot more sense why he's curious about what the guy said. Well, they do that in the remake, too. Yeah, he says that. What did he say? But he's just like, oh, that's weird. He said corn. Well, weird. Like, it's not as obvious because with the cross, it's like this is like an arts and crafts project. But. In the short film, it's like, it's a mystery. Why is there a bag of corn on this boy whose whose throat was just slit? So that I kind of like a little bit better. Uh, when they drive away, they say one thing that sort of dropped in the remake, but is the last line in this, which is, how could it go on all these years? How can no one know about it? unless that God they worship approves. This is where that line comes in that I mentioned earlier, and that's the end. It just 
cuts to the end as they're driving away from these crazy kids. How could this thing go on all these years? Why didn't somebody know about it? Unless that God they worship approves. And then I mentioned before about how in the book they explicitly talk about there not being any crows. Let's also talk about the short story then. That leads us into the short story. It is the only version where the sermon on the radio is given by Isaac. No, they do it in the remake. Was it a kid? Yeah. He he full on talks about it. I have I have it written. He says, "Was that a kid?" <laughs> and it is. It's Isaac. Yeah. Because you see the tower, it's it's all the way at the end of the dial, and then you see a radio tower, and then, so it makes a lot more sense why you would hear a sermon out in the middle of nowhere, and they mention Defiler of Corn, because in the original movie, it's an adult. Yes. Why is he talking about Defilers of Corn? He doesn't say it in the original. Yeah, see, like, so it kind of removes the whole purpose of... It's just, in the original, they use it just as a tone setter. Right. You're, you're, you've reached the Bible Belt, these are the people you're going to be surrounded by. Whereas, yeah, in the remake and in the short story, it's Isaac telling it, and they're like, what the fuck? Why is a kid yeah. on here? And also, defiler of corn? What the fuck does that mean? Right. In the short story, that's one of very few sermons. We have that one on the radio. We have... The writing in the church that Bert finds, but it's not given out loud. And then we have the sermon at the very end where Isaac says that he who walks behind the rose is displeased. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You really don't get much from the kid's perspective until after Bert dies. Mm -hmm. Going back to that moment in the town square where the car gets surrounded, we see that happening in real time. In the short story, he hears the horn and he kind of lets her stew for a little bit, right? But then he hears some other noise, and I don't remember what. And he goes outside, and that's when he sees the car surrounded by these kids being attacked by these kids, and that's the first time you see any other character aside from Bert, Vicky, and the kid who died in the road. And so I find that fascinating because every last little bit of this story is told from Bert's perspective. And I think that would be really interesting if you took out everything else but Bert's perspective. You'd probably get the short film. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you get – the short film is basically the short story and the remake but with the ending changed and compressed to 18, 19 minutes. Mm -hmm. Really, like we said before, if you want to watch the remake, just read the short story instead. Mm Mm-hmm. Seriously, just read the short story. And this isn't like, oh, it's it's a short story, and if you a- adapt it, it's garbage. Just why don't you just read the short story? No, I mean, like, there is no reason to watch this remake other than... See, I liked it, but of course I saw it before I read the short story. I liked it because I thought, wow... This is way different from the original, and that was interesting, because it was the same premise. It had all the things I loved about the original, and then it did something new with it. Unfortunately, some most of the stuff that they did that was new kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some lightning round stuff. The remake ends with the Bible verse from 1 John 5.21, little children keep yourselves from idols, it says. Mm-hmm. I have written down here, which is a testament to just how annoying it is. When Vicky dies, I wrote, well, at least we don't have to listen to her scream anymore. 
like that was how I felt emotionally. Mm-hmm. I did not care that she was dead. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be this shocking thing that, oh, my God, one of the main characters is dead. Now things are really serious for Bert. No, I was kind of glad I wouldn't have to listen to her anymore. That's how bad it is. I liked that this movie decided to, just like the original, be just as brutal with the kid getting hit by the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit, both movies, it's just like, whoa! Yep. <laughs> Uh, and I have written down here one last note that Isaac is awful. He knows the words, but he has no idea why he's saying them. He doesn't know what any of the words mean. Like, he knows what the words are, but you don't believe that this kid actually believes any of this stuff, that he knows what it means. It's, I don't know why. We have so many good child actors now. Why we can't get a a better Isaac that's not campy like John Franklin is. Really bothered me that they used an actual actor for the scene where he where he looks at the kid who got his throat slit. Because that kid's just totally breathing the yeah. whole fucking time. Uh-huh. It's like, couldn't you have just had a fucking doll? <laughs> It'd be better than seeing him stare at a kid yeah. who's obviously breathing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? Wouldn't it have been cheaper to get a doll? <laughs> One great thing that you guys don't get at home is I get to see the faces that Kelsey makes when she says some of this stuff. I cut out silences throughout the recording, and some of them are because she's expressing herself through her face. <laughs> so good. My kids sometimes think that I, they, they tell me that I make the weirdest faces, and I'm like, <laughs> it's because I'm expressive. Uh-huh. That's why I'm an actress. <laughs> and a teacher. Yes. Malachi actually made me jump. In the remake version, mm-hmm. when he is looking at her. Now, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's like in the first one. It's like, why would he come out? I didn't say this, but I have written down, this version just multiplies my problem with Malachi <laughs> seeing Vicky in the car. So, yes, I'm glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> but it made me jump when he uh-huh. was there because I, I was like, oh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be there. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> also... I do not believe for even one second, one millisecond, that Malachi was able to get the drop on a Vietnam War vet who gets off on violence and, and all that. Yeah. Because he, they do the, the jump scare with Malachi behind him in the cornfield. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell me that he didn't hear him coming. That's why, again, in the short story, it's fine because they just talk about how he has a military background and he's like, when he talks about the kids being fighters, he says, no sergeant taught them how to use a knife properly or something like that. And that's like it. But in this, we get the Vietnam flashbacks and like it's, and it's serious. They, they film the stuff and he thinks he's fighting in Vietnam instead of fighting these little kids. I do like uh, one of the lines that they kept from the short story that they put in here. You've spent your whole life being sure. It's a great moment because he is just refusing to accept that there's no one in this house, this town. He's just full of pride and full yeah. of I can't be wrong. I've got to be right. Yep. And I love that line. You've spent your whole life being sure. You know, like that's all you want to do. I hate people that always have to be right. <laughs> I'm so willing to admit if I do something wrong. God. So, Kelsey, keeping in mind that this was made for TV, and so there isn't any score from actual reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes. 
There is no Metacritic. There is no cinema score. What do you think the audience score is for this movie? 42? 16. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 40. Okay. I was vacillating between 25 and 30, so I'm going to give it a 27. But seriously, again, it reads so much better written out where you can see everything from Bert's perspective and you get Bert's thoughts and and it's only punctuated with the dialogue and not literally half the movie just them yelling at each other. It's horrible. I can't imagine why anyone would make a movie like this. Yes, and I, I I agree with all those flaws, but I just I thought that it did a lot of interesting things with the dialogue. Like I said, bringing in from all like from the original and from the short story, and then making yeah. it their own. I love that it was brave enough to kill the characters off, like what happens in the original. The ending, yeah, it shocked me. But it's too faithful. I, it's so faithful, it's annoying. Is, is my problem. It's just the way she played the character. When you make an adaptation, you need to accept certain realities of film that you do not have when somebody writes something in a book or a short story. You just have to accept that. And if you just take out the stuff that you can show on film, it's going to suck. So you're going to need to make some changes. That is why you need to not be afraid to make changes in adaptations and why you shouldn't be upset when there are changes. That said, like I said before, I do really like that they still kept the ending and they weren't just trying to water it down and have the heroes get away happy. Where'd you find this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Literally one of the last lines of the movie. Mm. Jesus. All right. And that wraps up our double feature. The late night. 1984's and 2009's Children of the Corn. What are we watching next week? Next week is a recommendation week. Yeah. What are we watching? We are going to be watching The Fog and The Mist. How about that? Yes. And this comes to us from Anthony. We sure are doing a lot of uh, Stephen King lately. Yes. (laughs) But both both of those were... Uh, recommended to us by Anthony. Thank you very much, Anthony. Yes, thank you. I know it was probably a while ago, but... It was. It takes a long time to get through this stuff, guys. <laughs> Even when we're doing two movies a week, it still takes a good long time to get through all this stuff. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. I'm excited for these. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter at podcemetery or email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review with a five-star written review which would be the biggest help to us there more helpful than that though is sharing us with your friends and even better listening in the first place so thank you if you're listening to this we love each and every one of you thank you all so much until next time i've been chris i've been kelsey and this has been pod cemetery but before we go kelsey any last words seize him Punish him! The Lord has chosen me as the bringer of his word and the giver of his laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Do it now, or your punishment shall be a thousand deaths, each more horrible than the last.
Is this when he blasts off? <laughs> is that later? No, that's later. That's okay. at night. <laughs> so, so while while uh, Mal, oh, I don't know what happens there. I'm gonna find out here because my next note is about him blasting off. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. Do you know what that's from? Isn't it? He's the best. No, it's the best. What is it? What is the it? gate. Oh yes, yeah. That's the best. <laughs> the rocket goes off totally. Yeah. Um, mm. 